Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast. Through our interviews and discussions, it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education. I'm Nicole Eridix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, inclusion teacher, and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. And joining me here on the Inclusive Class this morning is my co-host, Terry Morrow. Hi, Terry. Good morning, Nicole, and welcome to all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow. I'm the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I write about special needs for about.com at specialchildren.about.com. I'd like to mention to anyone out there listening to us live that we are not taking phone calls, uh, but the chat room is open. If you'd like to stop in and suggest a question, I'll try to work it in if we have time. Speaking of time, this morning it's something I don't have very much of. I, my son's... Uh, uh, somebody from my son's college has called a meeting for him to be at at 10 o'clock today. So as soon as this podcast is over, I'm going to be dropping the phone and running out the door. So if uh, if it sounds like it, we get to the end of the broadcast and I'm I'm like, you know, bye, so long. Everybody <laughs> will know why. <laughs> wrap it up, wrap it up. <laughs> so I will be speeding off to college, which is coming to the end of the semester. And so far, so good, I have to say, uh, for our little uh, experiment. And um nice. So uh, it's been uh, it's been a week, and today is going to be quite the long day. So, well, if you yes, have to leave Howard, early, Tim, Tim and I will have no problem carrying on the conversation. Because you won't be. A- we yeah we we must have carried on for a good hour last night, and I said to him afterwards that so we should have just recorded this conversation, and that would have been our interview. So if I have to periodically put the phone down and go run and make sure my son is getting ready, y'all we'll be, be fine. Carry it there. <laughs> That's good. Well. Well, the interesting thing is that I've known Tim for oh several months now, but virtually online. So, and I did a podcast with him several months ago for his site, Think Inclusive, and uh, it's really great to have him here as a guest on our show because I feel like you know I've gotten to know him over the last couple of months on nice. social media. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a great conversation about including students who have significant cognitive disabilities in the classroom. So yes, good topic. It is, it is. I think uh, when we think of students who have significant cognitive disabilities, we wonder, how can that mm-hmm. be done? Yes. So I am, I'm going to turn the uh, table over to Tim here in a second, but very quickly I wanted to introduce, give him a formal introduction. <laughs> um <laughs> Tim Viegas is here with us this morning, and he is a very active advocate for inclusive education, and he is the creator of the site Think Inclusive, and as I mentioned, has become a virtual colleague of mine, and I'm very glad he's here today. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, uh, Nicole and Terry. I really, really appreciate it. 
pleasure. Now, um, your site, Think Inclusive, as I've mentioned before, is quite a resource. You've got so many great things happening on there, uh, blog posts. You've got some podcasts that you've been working on and, and have done. There's so many different things for people to access to learn more about inclusion. What was your reason for starting your site, Think Inclusive? Well, um, I am a special education teacher. Uh, This is my ninth year in the classroom. I've taught uh, in self-contained classrooms uh, the entire time. And right now, this is my fifth year in Georgia. And um, I had the opportunity to uh, work with the Georgia Department of Education on a pilot inclusion program uh, at my school. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the impetus for the site, Um, but it also started with the Twitter account. Um, I decided to get on Twitter. I decided to start, you know, sharing my thoughts and um, kind of taking a risk there, and I got a lot of really good and positive feedback. Mm -hmm. And then along with the pilot inclusion program, um, we decided to do a um, go to the TASH conference in Atlanta last year. And then um, once we went there and presented what we were doing with our student and, and kind of our overall picture for what inclusion should look like for students with significant cognitive disabilities, um, that just uh, put a fire under me. And uh, mm-hmm. I realized that I was inspired by so many people who believed the same way that I did yeah. that um, I would... I wanted to create a resource for people like me because I knew if I, I knew if I had these thoughts and these desires to, to see this happen in education, I know that there are more people out there like me. And I was also mm-hmm. blown away by so many of the self-advocates at the TASH conference. And it, I really feel like it's grown into a movement um, yeah. of people advocating for themselves uh, to go and um, be included in general education. Um, you know about uh, Henry Frost down in Tampa. Yeah, I was just going to mention him, yeah. Yeah, um, and the I Stand with Henry uh, Facebook page and everything that Lori Hunt's been doing at Ollie Bean, um, just to be a witness to what's been going on with that ad- advocacy movement has just been a wonderful thing. And, and I'll, I'd also like to point out, as well as I'm talking about self-advocates, the uh, autism hearing uh, yesterday on the Committee on Oversight and Government Reform, uh, mm-hmm. that, that was the first time self-advocates were even at the table. And uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Michael John Carley and Mr. Ari uh, Nee, I mean, I'm probably not saying that right, but uh, they did a fabulous job of bringing uh, to the nation um, and, and self-advocating for, for people like them. So, yeah. you know, social media has definitely created a, an avenue for people in the disability community to connect. Um, mm-hmm. And I really wanted to be a part of that. I wanted Think Inclusive to be a resource for teachers and parents and self-advocates to come together and to say, this is working, um, these are stories of inspiration, um, and, and create awareness that inclusion is happening and it can be done. Yeah. So um, it really was selfish because, you know, I, I wanted it for my own learning. Um, yeah. I constantly try and look for and uh, be a better teacher, and I thought, well, you know, if I can create something that people will find useful then, um, and something that I would use, I think that's a good place to start. 
Excellent. And as I mentioned earlier, it's a great site. It's lots of resources on there. Um, you've got some great blog posts uh, from guests. You've got you know your own blog posts. So I really encourage people to check that out as well, and and have a look at all of all of the things that are there. Now, can we sort of backtrack a bit and talk more about you know your basic, I guess, philosophy or belief in that? Do you really believe that all means all? Well, um, the short answer is yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the long answer is a bit more complicated. Um, uh, I, I could probably talk about this for you know a few hours, so I'm going to try yeah. and distill, <laughs> distill kind of my you know my ideas. <laughs> yeah, we don't have that yeah. much enough, that much time, but um, I believe that philosophically inclusion. Um, is where we should start. I mean, that's the whole purpose of IDEA. Uh, mm-hmm. Yesterday was the 37th anniversary of IDEA, uh, and so it's a, a useful thing to reflect on what that purpose is. And uh, my main position on inclusion is definitely idealistic. Um, all students go to their neighborhood school. All yeah. students attend classes they normally would if they were not labeled with a disability. All students are given the support required to learn in that environment. Now, I understand that's not how it works, <laughs> and that's not how it works, um, but uh, my main reasoning for this is um, I want to set uh, what I believe inclusion is, I want to set the bar really high, because if, if we don't have it high, we're never going to get there, mm-hmm. um, and there, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, arguments uh, against the all means all. Um, and I understand that. I mean, I've been a self-contained teacher, um, you know, throughout my, my teaching career. So mm-hmm. um, when I first entered into the field, it was like, you're, you know, you're expecting me to take this child with autism who has um, severe behavior challenges and put them in a general education room and expect them it to be all okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that was kind of my, you know, that was my... Um, belief at the very beginning, but once I started yeah. to do it, and once I started to, uh, you know, use strengths and interests, once I started to uh, focus on what they c- they can do, um, then I started to see successes. And then when you start small like that, yeah, that is when you see real progress, and that is uh, when you get the confidence to yeah. try more and more and more things. So. I think, you know, bottom line is if we want our children and our students to live an integrated life with their family and their friends and their community, uh, what is the best way to achieve that? Our students, uh, be, being, uh, our students being educated in a self-contained and segregated environment, is that going to get that done? Or are our students being educated along with their peers? I know that that is, well, to me, obvious. but that is a very challenging thing to do. And with everything that teachers are being asked to do, um, for me to say or for anyone to say in mandate, full inclusion, for students to go into self, uh, into general ed um, all day, every day, is unrealistic. And yeah. so that's where I, you know, try to, you know, uh, uh, have... Uh, examples of what I think we can do right now to make uh, inclusive environments possible. Mm-hmm. And that's what, I mean, that's why I'm still a self-contained classroom teacher. 
You know, right. um, I finally had to decide um, that if I want inclusive communities, if I want inclusive schools, if I want uh, inclusive environments for my students, no one is going to do that um, for me. I have to create those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a teacher out there and you have that passion for inclusion like I did, but you just don't know what to do, um, I would suggest start really small and start with one student. You know, mm-hmm. find a mm-hmm. student that you think is going to do the best in a general ed environment uh, for the longest time and start there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in- inclusion, what kind of my ideals and how it plays out in the school setting, you know, that's, um, it's different. <laughs> yeah. Can I, can I just interject? I, I think it's so great that it, you're a self-contained teacher, but you're doing this. Because I found over the years some of the greatest naysayers for inclusions, inclusion to be self-contained teachers who just feel like these kids can't do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, that it's when they would talk about a kid whose parent had insisted on mainstreaming and they would talk about him like that kid died. You know, it's mm-hmm. oftentimes, I, mean, I don't know if it's just that they've put all their faith and belief in a certain way of doing things or they just can't envision that for these kids. Now, and it was also a self-contained teacher who did finally get my son into an inclusion class in high school. So I've seen both sides of it, and I think that it's you're in a really good place to advocate for this uh, in a, with a high degree of, of um, uh, believability. Credibility. Because you credibility, that's the word I was shooting yeah. for. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so I'm really happy to hear that, that yeah. you're doing it from that point of view. And I think you made a great point, too, that uh, not not every school is a fully inclusive school. So if you're, and for inclusion to work properly, you do need to have some systems in place. Mm-hmm. But there are ways that you can at least get started. And starting small will create a more successful experience. So I, you know, I appreciate you saying that as well because, you know, you can't just jump in and say, okay, now we're going to include this child and, you know, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. It, you know, you're really setting yourself up for some challenges. So the point that you right. made about starting small is mm-hmm. very important. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tend to disagree with certain inclusion advocates who want to just throw the whole system away yeah. and, and just plug everybody in because, um you know, uh, that there's a, an advocate down here in Atlanta. Her name is Kate Gaynor, and she spoke at our school, and, and mm-hmm. she was a big advocate for closing institutions uh, here in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And, and so she said, I'm all for uh, closing institutions, but we need to have a place to put these Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And, I, and I tend to have that same that same philosophy. Um, you know, the, the the education system in the United States is not ready for yeah. full inclusion. Uh, but do I yeah. still think it's a good idea? Absolutely. Absolutely. But even uh, just even though, and I can, <laughs> you know, good. hear people pulling out their hair when I tell them that. But, um, <laughs> it, you know, <laughs> it, is, it is what I believe. Um, and uh, I, I just wanted to, to mention um, that uh, my paraprofessionals, uh, I just want to honor them because they are unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. The the one-on-one paraprofessional I have that is that goes to um, third grade with my fully included student. Um, she is my you know right hand person 
Um, yeah. We constantly talk about modifications. We talk. We constantly talk about the philosophy. We there's mm. a lot of communication that has to go on, and then also not only with the para, but with the general ed teacher. Mm. And uh, every year we've done it. Um, we started in, in in first grade so a couple of years ago, and he was going um, a couple hours a day. And then in second grade, uh, we went for most of the day. And then this this year is the first year we've um, had him all day. And um, right. you know, I still see him. I mean, he he comes up, and you know, he has some um, just physical needs that we need to take care of. And so he does that in my room. Um, and so I still see. Um, his para and you know we talk and um, and also when they do benchmark testing or when they do CRCT testing, uh, yeah. he will come into my room and um, so there's still a relationship there. But well, I just want to about... make sure that oh. that uh, that everybody knows that you know not everyone has the the, the best paraprofessional. Yeah. <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> that's why I'm so I'm so grateful for people like Megan Gross and Renee Marquez who um, have the Perry Educate book and yeah. who are advocating you know for paraprofessionals to be trained in inclusion. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's a wonderful resource, and paraprofessionals are so key in that relationship. Absolutely. Um, let's, let's talk about that whole process then of getting a child included in a general education classroom, a child who has uh, a significant cognitive disability. How do you get started doing that, and can you sort of walk us through what that would look like in a school setting? Well, I, and, you know, all of this really, um, it depends on so many, so many, so many things. I believe Carol Quirk was on here uh, a few months ago talking uh, from um, the Maryland Coalition yes. of and she had talked about administrators really being the the linchpin uh, to this mm-hmm. whole thing, and I I would have to agree because if if it wasn't for um, my principal saying giving me the green light and saying okay we're going to do this uh, mm-hmm. you know we're going to support you you know we're going to try and give you the um, the staff we're going to we're going to give you more space uh, I went from one room last year to two. Uh, because I just have so much equipment and so mm-hmm. and the space needs for my students um, that that need to you know walk around and 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 you know not be so cramped. I mean, if I didn't have the support of my administration, um, I wouldn't get very far. Yeah, so, but you know, not everybody has that. So if you don't have that, I think the best thing you need to do is ask questions. So if you're a teacher, if you're a self-contained teacher, and you want to include you know, one of your students who has um, some significant uh, cognitive disabilities, start asking the administration, so why exactly don't we do this? You know, why don't we um, include, like, why can't we do, you know, uh, have, um, you know, this, um, my boy go into um, uh, a math segment? Because, you know Mm -hmm. what, you love numbers. He loves counting. Or, you know, why can't my... um, uh, little girl with autism go into uh, a kindergarten um, um, morning calendar group. Like, you know, wh- why not? And uh, so start asking those questions and trying to figure out, you know, I mean, if you get shut down, you get shut down, but at least you're asking. Yeah. Um, and then also you need to find, um, find other people in your building um, that believe the same thing you do. And if you're the only one, 
then just start talking about it. You know, start bringing up resources like um, the stuff on on uh, Tash.org or the CEC website or uh, your, your website, the Inclusive Class, or they can go to uh, Inclusive. You know, there's lots of different um, articles about why inclusion is a good idea. And plus, that there's a lot of research that we just don't even have time to go over. Um, yeah. But just start picking away and picking away, and eventually um, – you know, if you're, I think if you're persistent, um, usually something happens in your favor. Um, and then if you're a parent, I would do the same thing. I would I'd just ask your teacher, um, you know, why don't we do this? Why, why isn't my child being included in, in general ed for at least part of the day? Um, and then if that maybe that question hasn't even been asked before. But right. then also, how can we create more inclusive opportunities for my student? And, and some, you know, a lot of teachers aren't aren't comfortable with putting um, a child with uh, uh, significant cognitive disabilities in general ed for, for like a academic segment. Why not do it for science or social studies, or why not uh, pair them up when they go to art class or when they mm-hmm. go to class? And um, I can hear my my colleagues in California go, "What's art class and music class?" Because <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, I taught four Indeed. years in California, we had nothing. <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> it's very sparse. <laughs> you know, um, you mentioned you mentioned some things the parents can do to advocate for this. What do you say, and I'm sure you maybe have had uh, encounters with parents like this, uh, parents of kids with special needs who don't feel like inclusion is right for their child, who are afraid of it or who don't feel that the school is equipped to really do it right or don't even really understand how their kid could be in a regular classroom. Right. I know a lot of my parents of a lot of my son's friends feel that way and are very resistant uh, to it, and uh, especially I would guess amongst uh, kids with, with more profound disabilities. The parents may just feel that the self-contained class, relative safety of the self-contained class, even if they don't make any academic progress, is better than throwing them in <laughs> where they're going to be overwhelmed and ill-served. Right. Um, if I have a, a parent, well, usually in my experience, um, if I if I have a parent that is a little less willing, um, I try not to force the issue, uh, mm-hmm. but I will bring up. Um, stories of what we are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, um, something that we're doing at my school, we're doing a lot of reverse inclusion. So um, mm-hmm. I, I'll have fifth grade come up. Oh, I love that and, idea. Uh, and we'll do a, um, a common core standards-based lesson, mm-hmm. you know, on the Civil War. And um, all of my students are able to participate. And I'll tell the teacher, I'll do the lesson. I'll plan it. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And, and your kids will be getting content that they're mm-hmm. supposed to be getting, yeah. and then I will be able to show you how I would modify all of that content for my students. Nice. Fantastic. So, um, so for the students that I don't have, that I'm not able to, you know, have them be in a in a general ed segment, mm-hmm. uh, that's what we do. So for my fourth graders, for my fifth graders, um, that's. You know that's that's how we work around that, and and that has been one of the most exciting things that we've done this year. Uh, I've gotten so much good feedback from the teachers and from the students, and it also creates um, uh, visibility for our students. Right. Because um, if I didn't do that, then it's just well, those are the kids in the room that's next to the cafeteria, and they make a lot yeah, of noise. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's um, a nice stealth way to do it. That's a great concept. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm trying to get my special ed colleagues to to like the idea of um, Common Core. I, I think I think a lot of them already do, but uh-huh. I'm trying to I'm trying to get uh, people to make the connection that yeah. um, with Common Core. Uh, and with the idea of more rigor and more relevance and uh, more hands-on and group activities, that um, special ed has been doing that for many years. Yeah. So we can be a resource to the general ed teachers and say, right. hey, I've got a great idea you know, <laughs> on how to modify this for your uh-huh. students. And by the way, let me go down and I'll teach that lesson for you so you right, can see. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I think that's important. And just quickly, because I didn't really answer the question about the parent, um, uh-huh. I would, uh, I, if I was a teacher, I would try and find those inspiring and uplifting stories that are everywhere mm-hmm. if you look, you know, about how inclusion works and just, you know, forward it to them or print it out for them and say, you know, this is possible. I know it doesn't look like it, but it is possible. <laughs> It would be great if the parents could observe those classes, those reverse inclusion classes you you do, because I think it's hard to wrap your head around this stuff. Even for teachers, even for professionals, it's hard. But for parents, it's especially ones who have been hearing in IEP meetings for years and years, your child will never amount to anything. It's hard to wrap your mind around them being able to be in a lesson where somebody's teaching the Civil War. You know, I know a lot of parents of high schoolers who would say, oh, you know, my kid just can't get anything out of that. But they can. Right. Yeah, and yeah they, they can. How? Yeah. I something came across my Facebook feed a while ago, and it was a picture of uh, a building, you know, with ramps and stairs. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was such a, a great example um, of a universal design, you know, because mm-hmm. if you can universally design a building so that everyone can access it, you can universally design a lesson. So yeah. when the architects come together to plan for the building. Mm-hmm. And they're they're thinking about how to make it universally accessible. You know, you have, you know, the ramps, but people, you know, who are in wheelchairs use it, but uh, we all use them. You know, right. you and I use the ramps. Um, um, I use them when I push, you know, my my baby in my stroller. <laughs> you uh-huh. know, or people with people with other, uh, you know, uh, uh, disabilities, the, the ones who um, are having hard hard time walking. You know, so it. When we look at teaching, if we can extend that idea um, to uh, have a lesson be accessible for all, all learners, even even the ones that need the most support, mm-hmm. I think everybody wins because it, that student can use, you know, the quote-unquote ramps or stairs right. in that lesson, and we'll all be able to get to the same place, you know. Yeah. So uh-huh. that's how I, I try to explain, you know, how does that work exactly that you're teaching Civil War to, you know, <laughs> Um, a fifth grade student with intellectual disabilities. <laughs> so, anyways. Um, yeah. That's a good part of it is, as you said earlier, too, is, is getting the kids with disabilities into their neighborhood schools. My son was lucky. He was in self-contained all through elementary, actually all through school, but he was always in what would have been his neighborhood school, and he always recognized kids. People got to know him. Kids got to know him. And, uh, you know, the, the, in his schools, they were the self-contained classes were fairly well integrated into the life of the school uh, as mm-hmm. much as possible, and I know a lot of us parents pushed for them to be more so. So if you've got the kids there, it's easier to do these things that you're talking about where you 
yeah. grab these opportunities for inclusion. Uh, you know, to to do the have the kids come into the special ed class, to have the special ed kids go into the specials for the other classes. Uh, they have to be you know in the in the building, <laughs> and and not off as as Nicole described in one at one time, off in another <laughs> mm-hmm. area where mm-hmm. it never mingles. Uh, yeah. There's maybe sneaky ways we can get this done Mm -hmm. by at least uh, all being accessible. Just just quick, I know that I'm an elementary school teacher, and I know uh, some people are thinking, well, this is really easy to do in elementary school. And and for the most part it is. But when you look at middle school and high school, you're starting to go, okay, well, how how are we going to do this in algebra or calculus or, you know, even biology? And um, what I would say is... um, that as long as you're willing and open, as long as you have teachers who are willing to uh, do this with you, uh, then it certainly is possible. It's harder. You know, it gets harder <laughs> every year. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, it's certainly possible. And then also... Um, no, oh, there's our school oh, bell. Sorry. It means we're coming at the end. Well, this is sort of a good place to... Good, good message to end with, though. I think, uh, you know, we could talk about this, obviously, all of us for hours because it's something that's close to all of our hearts. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be able to have you back again to talk some more about it. Um, but uh, thank you for being our guest today. Yeah, and I would like you. to thank our listeners for tuning into our program this morning. Uh, please join us next week when we have our guest, Carolyn Coyle, on the show to talk about differentiated learning. Uh, in the meantime, you can also follow us on Twitter, where Nicole tweets under the name inclusive underscore class. I am at Mamatude, and you can follow Tim at think underscore inclusive. Uh, you can also find archives to our past shows on my blog at www.mamatude.blogspot.com, though at the moment I am way behind in posting them, so I will try to catch up with that today after I make my hurried drive to college. Also, our show is now available on Stitcher and iTunes as a podcast for free download. Uh, goodbye to everybody, and have a great week. And, Nicole, our script still says Happy Thanksgiving at the I end. I know. I just noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you Sorry. all had a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, good luck with December. It is upon us starting tomorrow and the long, excruciating slide into the holiday season. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Goodbye, Thank everyone. You. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.